For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think getting involved in your local county party is very, very important. For one, we can sit here and be like, oh, like I'm very open-minded. We can agree to disagree. But the reality is it feels good having people in your community and in your life that think like you. Mm-hmm. Like where you're not always having the debate, where you're not always having to like butt heads and like walk away and run a fakery bakery and act like you're all fine and dandy. It's perfectly normal and okay to have people in your life that think the way that you do. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health. And today I have a ball of positive energy with me. Um, she is way kinder, nicer than me on Twitter. And we've had very, very pleasant exchanges and I've enjoyed listening to her. So I have uh, Cynthia Cowie today with me. How are you doing? I'm great. Yourself? Oh, fantastic. Uh, happy to be alive. And this is like my Sunday. So this is like my me day where you know the wife's away and it's just me and the dog so yeah um so uh, i guess give a brief introduction to yourself and we'll kind of rock and roll from there sure well thank you so much kyle for having me i know we've had you know pleasant exchanges back and forth on twitter so i appreciate you inviting me on first and foremost and very excited to you know have a cool conversation so for those who don't know me i'm cynthia cowie and i'm the san diego young republican president um, I'm a very political person, so and then my full-time job is I work as Trill Vista Mayor John McCann's executive secretary. So first and foremost, everything that I share is me as an individual, and everything I'm sharing are my views, and they don't impact or reflect my employer. So need to throw out the disclaimer first and foremost. Um, and, you know, I, I'm here in San Diego, obviously, as the young Republican president, um, and like, as Kyle had mentioned, like, I've gone back and forth on Twitter about, you know, outside of politics, I like traveling, but I haven't gone overseas. So when I say travel, I like exploring different things in Southern California. So like different restaurants, different like hidden gems and tourist spots. So that's what I like to do, like outside 
the vet and, you know, I'm trying to get back in shape again. So try to, you know, do some movement every day. Um, I love the beach. So those are just, you know, kind of like some little random tidbits about me and, you know, kind of what I do for a living. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So um, I guess first things first, what kind of inspired you to become a Republican, if you will? Um, was this more of like a family thing? Because like for me, I, I'm, I'm a libertarian, but, um, you know, both my parents are Republicans, even though they divorced. Um, both of them were very, very pro-Trump people. And, you know, pretty much I don't want to say ever passed political values on to me, but um, I just kind of always had more of like a, a conservative leaning ever since I was a child. And then my brother kind of grew me into a libertarian when I was in my teenage years. So I, I guess what was your uh, political roots and how did you get started? Sure. So I think a fun fact, even though I am the San Diego Young Republican president, I am not a lifelong Republican. Okay. And I actually, although I had, you know, conservative leaning uh, values, and I still do, um, I do consider myself to be a conservative, I'm very traditionally minded, especially when it comes to my values, and how I would like to leave like a legacy lasting through, you know, my future children. So in that regard, I've always been very conservative and traditional and perhaps right leaning. However, I didn't necessarily connect those values to the Republican Party, first and foremost. Um, I grew up in a very traditional household in the sense of like, you know, when you grow up, you don't really talk about like taboo topics and like when you're at the dinner table. So I didn't necessarily have like that, you know, traditional um, childhood in the sense of like we talked about, you know, those huge, intense topics. So I never necessarily correlated my politics with my values growing up and didn't really know much about the government per se. And in fact, in grade school and college, like the history classes and like the government classes were not really my favorite. It wasn't until the 2016 election, I was in undergraduate school. I went to the University of California, San Diego. So people would know it as UC San Diego. So I was an undergraduate at the time during the 2016 presidential election. And as I'm sure you can imagine, Kyle, um, it, it <laughs> times were exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's one of it, like, even if you didn't, even if you weren't political, even if you don't want to talk about it, it was just shoved up in your face. Mm -hmm. So by association, and by no choice, you know, I, you know, had to learn about all that. In fact, a funny story, you know, obviously, spoiler, UC San Diego, it's very liberal and left leaning. And that being said, a lot of, you know, the community and the students were the same way, and that's fine, but it is what it is. Um, I remember distinctly one time, one of my uh, friends at the time, we were grabbing lunch and, you know, she was talking about like Trump, how, you know, he's this, this and that. And I remember just being so completely disinterested. And I remember just thinking like, being really frustrated because this man who I probably will never meet has this hold like this mental hold on people that they don't know personally and vice versa but yet they're so triggered by this they get emotional about it and that's the thing that really fascinated me and thought that that was so incredibly weird i like it just boggled my mind how this man that people would never meet make people cry it just it still astounds me this day even just bringing it up and remembering all those memories. But anyways, at that lunch, she brought something up. And I just remember telling her, like, can I uh, eat my lunch now? Because I just didn't care. And it bothered me just so much how 
it had this stranglehold on on people when I was in school. That being said, it didn't actually turn me on into politics. In fact, it bothered me because of the divisiveness. Now, mind you, I was pretty ignorant at the time, but you know, and that's just kind of like the nature of politics. But I just that was just kind of my, you know, opinion about it. I didn't have a high opinion about politics in general because of my college experience. And I thought, you know, the idea of having this figure really have this mental stronghold on people just was really insane to me. Um, now, fast forward a few months into the election, a family friend of mine encouraged me to vote. And so that forced me to kind of evaluate where I was on the political spectrum. So fun fact, I was a libertarian. <laughs> And I actually was like a registered libertarian. And then, you know, I voted. And, you know, as time went on, I decided to educate myself about politics further. So I would say since the 2016 election, I became a more political-minded individual. And then I followed more of like the cultural side of things. So I really like, you know, Ben Shapiro, like PragerU, Turning Point USA, and all those different organizations I think are great starting points for people to, you know, if you are considered the right leaning to kind of, you know, get your feet wet and learn more about different things going on with the news and whatnot. So dived into that. And then I switched, you know, to be like a registered independent. And to be honest, because of Donald Trump, I, you know, grew to like him as a president. So he inspired me to join the Republican Party. So I'm not one of those people that is a lifelong Republican. Um, I'm someone that joined the Republican Party because I was inspired by Donald Trump. Um, so that's, you know, kind of how I, I dived into it. And then fast forward after the 2020 election, I decided to get involved with the party side of things. So, you know, it's it's weird because it's only been a couple years since I've gotten involved with the party, like actually like being active with going to different meetings and helping with campaigns and mm -hmm. different candidates and causes. But I've always been a political person since 2016. And long story short, I, I am not a lifelong Republican, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's really, really interesting. Um, Trump was such a polarizing figure. And I think a lot of people and it's tough for me to kind of put my finger on like if this is just a sign of the times, because I always try to bring things back to like human nature where um, people have this idea in their head oftentimes when it comes to ideology or politics or the way that politics are, is that this is just like something just with the situation right now, but they never want to zoom out and look at it as like once again, the human condition and that let's say these crazy woke leftists or the most fervent Bible beating Republican, even though I, I just saying that's kind of cringy to me. Um, this is just, once again, people with their ideologies taken too far. And I, I think it's more of a sign of the times that as political power grows and grows and grows. And as this culture war gets hotter and hotter and hotter that, um, people kind of get driven further into specific ideologies. And I think that's kind of a sign of what Trump re represented to people. Like for some people, they looked at him as literally Hitler, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and some people yeah. thought he was Jesus Christ himself. And right. once again, this is just kind of the sign of the times of where we're so enamored with everything going on politically that um, you know, our nature kind of brings us to a more tribal place. And then we feel that, you know, we have to have the throne of power. And, and I know this is a long diatribe, but it's just, it's very fascinating to me to see how many people just kind of 
got political who might have been a little bit more apolitical before 2016 and i i don't know what to make of it if like i said if it's just a sign of the times or maybe it was trump by himself so i I don't know if you have anything to add there but it's just interesting to me i do think it's interesting because for better or for worse it's you know objectively true if you look at you know just data and different things, I do think people that weren't apolitical before became interested in politics because of the 2016 election and because of Donald Trump. And I say for better or for worse, because, you know, over the years, you, you know, had people that on the left who weren't plugged in and, you know, that really inspired them to be the change they wish to see and then also perhaps vote against them. On the flip side, for the Republican side, I do think And the thing that I do push back with people who, you know, for 2024, who say that, you know, Trump can't bring over modern Democrats. Well, I'm one of those people. And it's like, it bothers me how it's like, you basically don't think I exist. I'm like, well, I'm here. And I actually have a leader. I now, years later, have a leadership role within the movement and within the party. Um, Obviously, I'm not a, a, a big jig, but... And I haven't been around forever. Like I wasn't knocking on doors for George W. Bush. I'm sorry. But, you know, I'm here now and I, you know, did what I needed to do to get to where I am now. Um, And, you know, people are allowed to agree, disagree. But it's objectively true that, you know, Trump did bring in people for better or for worse Mm -hmm. into the political process. And also people that weren't into the Republican Party, you know, are, you know, a little bit more open minded to the two party system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I guess kind of moving on um, down this line of thinking, this is something that's really fascinated me. Um, I've said, and I really do believe that Trump would be the only one that would lose in 2024 if, let's say, it was Biden or somebody else up for re-election, because I feel like a lot of people had fatigue from his character. Um, I, I think a lot of people are kind of looking to DeSantis as kind of the next guy up and i know some polls kind of bear out that trump you know is winning in a landslide but um it seems like he's a lot more popular and um my friend reed coverdale often says that he's kind of the right wings obama right now because he's a younger guy who has like a little bit of a political history and he's coming to be a bit of a rising star he's really being propped up by the media um in a way so um, I guess for 2024, what are your thoughts on the race between Trump and DeSantis? Because this seems to be the the feud that's starting to boil up. Hasn't quite come to the surface yet, but you're hearing Trump starting to kind of take the gloves off a little bit in the way that he does that I think everybody knows and some people hate it, but I think it's pretty entertaining to hear him uh, kind of go to blows. I think that's where his personality really shines through. No, I agree. And I think, you know, as a fellow libertarian yourself, like, I think you have like the best seat in the house where you, you know, <laughs> you're someone that, you know, is, you know, a little bit more independent minded, you are a little bit more, you know, I guess, um, I don't want to say down the middle, but you don't feel obligated, you know, to either side. So I think you're in the best seat where you get to kind of see the best of both worlds, and you don't feel like you have to harpoon yourself to one figure or the other. Um, I'll say this, I, as a Republican and someone who has a role within like a local organization, I, as an individual, I don't feel obligated to publicly share like who I would vote for at the time. The primary, the presidential primary is not until March, 2024. So I do not feel obligated to publicly share that. So sorry to listeners, but (laughs) it's true. There's just so much that can happen. There's so much that can happen and, um, you know, and there are people that are to announce. That's not to say that I'm waiting for anyone else to announce, but 
I'm just saying like, you know, we're not, we don't, we in California, we're not getting our ballot for another year. So I don't even feel obligated to like stress out or worry about it. Like, like let, 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 let the games begin sort of speak. Okay. But my, my general thoughts and opinion is this. Um, so formerly I did work for a news network. So I have that background in journalism as well before the job that I have now. Um, I worked for one American news network. Mm -hmm. So that being said, um, you know, for those that don't know what OAN is, it is a very right-leaning network. And I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to kind of, you know, have that exposure and know what it's like working in media and press. Um, and especially, you know, in conservative news, I think is a very unique experience that most people can't say that they have. So that being said, um, you know, we pretty much followed everything that Trump was doing. So me personally, when he announced he was running, that's not to say that I was privy to like some secret, you know, that about his campaign or anything, mm -hmm. but someone that, you know, was obligated to report what he was doing and, you know, other right, right, um, right leaning figures in the movement. Um, you know, I, we covered all of his rallies and things like that. You know, I had to write packages and raps on all that. So, and you hear speeches all the time. Like I was just thinking like, this is not anything new. Like, of course he was going to run again. If, it was mm -hmm. very, very obvious if you follow the speeches. Now, yeah. mind you, I don't understand, I don't, you know, expect anyone to do what I do, like, uh, you know, follow his words and whatnot. But for me, like, you know, when he announced, everyone was all shocked. They were clutching the pearls and just like, Oh my god, dude! Like, stop! <laughs> Just stop! Like, this is not like it's it's very obvious to me. Now, you know. Now to DeSantis, I'll say this: I do think he's a great governor. Um, I would never dispute like you know what he has done, what he's not done. You know, objectively speaking, I do think you know when it comes to like policies from the statewide, and this is an issue with both sides too. But you know, as a Republican. You know, I am a little bit more critical towards my own party, and I believe it's important to do that in the effort of making it better. Mm -hmm. I do think some of the things like laws and legislation, I do think a lot of it can be grand slamming, if I'm being honest. Like, for example, like the Disney thing, mm -hmm. he was like, we're going to ban Disney, this and that. And if you follow like what's happening with like the state legislature, I guess there's like, you know, they're doing something like that. Um, he said he's going to ban critical race theory, but no governor can do that. That's up to the legislature. And then also, too, like, county laws, too. So there are some counties in Florida, you know, they're very smart about how they word all that. They can, you know, not call it critical race theory, but they can call it something else. So, you know, if I'm being honest, like, I don't appreciate how the governor, like, says things like that, makes all these promises, trying to appeal to the base. And the reality is, you know, I, I don't like it. I think it's very misleading. Mm -hmm. Um and, like, another thing also, too, like, when he says, like, I want to make America be like Florida, Florida's the blueprint. Dude, California's never going to be like Florida. No other <laughs> Like, we, Florida has a veto-proof majority for Republicans. In California, we have a veto-proof majority for Democrats. We're not going to be like Florida. A lot of states won't be like Florida. Even if you take, like, all eternity, it's just not going to happen. So just a little, like, you know, if I'm being picky, like, just things like that, I don't agree with. But I'm also not going to bash him either because I wouldn't deny that he hasn't done good things too. And I do think he's a good figure for the right. So I want to make that very clear. I'm not like anti-DeSantis, but I'm also not like one of these like decents either.
What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, even coconut, and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I do see... I will say this too. I do think that, and this is another thing that bothers me too. Mm-hmm. When people are like, oh, like, you know, why does Trump have to tax to do that? I'm just like, okay, if anyone who has a political pulse, you know that DeSantis is going to run because you're absolutely right with that analogy about how, you know, Obama was like hot after his DNC speech and people were like, hey, if you're going to run for president, you need to do it now because, you know, there's no such thing as like waiting four years, you know people forget and you're not going to be cool again in four years so i'm not you know when desantis runs i'm not i don't think that's wrong that's just political instincts it's about timing so at the same time you know i don't think that's wrong either i just think that it isn't it's unfortunate but this is just how it is but i don't but when people like bash trump for like bashing desantis it is true when you look at data when you look at polls um I think that Trump does have a stronghold of the base and people that are loyal. And, you know, the reality is he's has the name ID over DeSantis. Believe it or not, there are people in Florida who don't know who their governor is. Um, and there are people that don't know their own governors and wouldn't know who Florida's governor is. So that's subjectively true. Um, and my whole thing is like, listen, have you not watched the 2016 primary? Do we remember how divisive it was? You don't mean to tell me that when DeSantis runs for president too, he's not going to also swing at people too? Like, yeah. knock it off. Like, stop acting like what Trump is doing is unique. And also stop acting like other Republicans are not going to fight back too. So that's my whole thing. I think that if DeSantis was not in the picture for a presidential primary, I do think Trump would have won. But I think one of the reasons why Trump is attacking DeSantis is because he knows that if DeSantis wasn't there, it might make it a little bit more competitive for him. It wouldn't be in the bag for him as much. Mm-hmm. I'll say this too. And this is, I can understand, like from Trump's perspective, like the whole disloyalty thing. When people are like, oh, DeSantis doesn't owe Trump the world. You're right. Like no one knows owes anyone anything. But here's the thing that people don't realize if you, especially in life, but especially in politics, loyalty is very hard to come by. And it's like the one thing, like, you can mess up with me, but as long as we're loyal, like, we're in the foxhole together, we can get through anything. So I do agree that DeSantis doesn't need to roll out, like, a red carpet for Donald Trump. But the reality is, is this. Without Trump dragging DeSantis across the finish line for the primary, we wouldn't have him in the governor's seat. You can go look at, you know, how that primary went. Everyone in the congressional delegation except Matt Gates, voted for 
endorsed Adam Putman over DeSantis. Um, you know, all the county, all the county parties also supported Adam over DeSantis. So, and I think that's an interesting fact. And then also, if you look at, you know, that 2018 general election, like, it was relatively close with Al Andrew Gillum. Now, again, you know, registration change, things of that nature. And the thing that I also don't like is like, yeah, like, you know, I obviously give DeSantis some credit too. But also, if you look at, you know, how Trump also impacted Florida and helped make it red, and also Scott Pressler, who's a grassroots activist that helps register voters, why don't we give those people credit too? Like, DeSantis was not out there registering voters. DeSantis was not on the on the presidential ticket helping, you know, make Florida have record high numbers in the 2020 election. So I know that was a lot of information. I know I didn't give, like, a straight answer. No, but, you know, I just have, like, some general opinions that I hope that at least my perspective, you know, plants seeds and, you know, at least forces people to at least look at things objectively. And my opinion, again, is that, like, hey, I don't feel obligated to have a public opinion about who I'm booing for yet. It's a year from now. But I also see all sides. And, you know, I can understand where people feel the way that they feel. And, you know, made the best man win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's um, – I actually really like the way you laid that all out. And there are a lot of things in there that um, I haven't heard other people who want to work with the Republican Party um, – you know, kind of lay out. And I appreciate that you added a lot of nuance in there. Um, it, it does seem like to me that the younger people seem to like DeSantis more because he's kind of more of this, the way I've kind of looked at him versus Trump. And if I'm being honest, my preference is actually for Trump over DeSantis, because um, from a libertarian standpoint, um, Trump doesn't necessarily in my mind have any kind of principles. Um, He's a little bit more finger to the wind or last person he spoke to <laughs> that's who influenced him the most. So in my mind, he's a lot easier to convince to do more libertarian things because um, he could be forward into doing it. And my problem with DeSantis is that um, if you look at his voting record when he was in Congress and a lot of his history, um, he's bad. I mean, he's like a George Bush, but – the only thing that people like him for is his response to COVID and then um, the way that he kind of punches back the left in a very decisive way. Now, Trump did it, but he was, you know, a little bit more comedic. DeSantis isn't afraid to use the full force of the power that he has to go against the people that he doesn't like. And once again, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so, like I said, I appreciate your nuance, but I, I much like you, I see both sides where Trump is this bombastic, funny character who um, people believe that he, you know, revitalized the economy, even though it was really just taking credit for the recovery and lots of other things. There were some good things that he did. Don't get me wrong, but um, people have this memory of him. And now I think DeSantis, once again, 2020, they look at his record and then what happened in Florida going forward and people have a, a good impression there. So um, like I said, in my mind, my bias is more towards Trump, but like you said, there's still a whole year of things to unfold and things could greatly change between now and then. So once again, I know I kind of probably gave you a lot to um, respond to, but those are just kind of some of uh, my thoughts on what's kind of going on there. No, and I agree with you 100%. And um, I want to give a shout out to on Instagram, her handle is wake up with Linda. Um, but she's a co host of mostly peaceful Latinas with uh, Bella. Mm -hmm. um, but she, you know, for journalism perspective, she, you know, was a uh, 
this is public record like she had on the story so i'm not like outing anyone but you know she shared that desantis because you brought up comedy DeSantis and his uh, team, you know, paid the Babylon Bee for consulting for jokes. And mm-hmm. is that wrong necessarily? No, but, you know, it brings up a point as far as charisma. Do I think charisma should be the deciding factor of a presidential candidate? No, but at the same time, like what makes people like to the average voter, you know, when they look at things, I think that's just a, something for people to at least consider or look at. Um I'll say this, like one thing that DeSantis has a lot better at Trump is the fact that he's utilizing like the media, like influencers and whatnot. Um, you would think that the Trump team would have like a stranglehold on these influencers and pay that and they have like more leverage to pay these people a lot more to like do better. I mean, I'm not gonna knock the DeSantis team and the comms team like playing into like how they're paying the Babylon Bee to like write articles and you know help pay for things like that for consulting to help make the Santos look better and you know looking at all these you know high profile conservative right-leaning influencers to try to like pump up DeSantis why doesn't Trump do the same so that's why I say may the best man win mm-hmm. um but this whole like oh DeSantis is charismatic and all these different things and blah blah I'm just like he's stiff as okay. a board <laughs> Yeah, well, that, and then it's one thing when you have your local, because I, I help run the comps for, you know, my my elected, or I shouldn't say because I vote for him because I don't live in the city necessarily, but, you know, I run comps for a politician, like, for my full-time job. It's one thing to, like, you should know, like, your local reporters and your media and your press and your editors and all that stuff. It's very different when you're dealing with the national apparatus in media. Mm-hmm. Very different. It's an, like it's very easy because you know who these people are to like grand slam them. But it's very different being on like the presidential stage. So objectively speaking, there is something to be said when everyone's like, well, DeSantis knows what he's doing when he's fighting back. Well, we don't know because he hasn't had that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the one thing that um, people would probably push back on there would um, be his responses with COVID and is some people phrase it. And I think it's a little bombastic would be, they say he stood down the world when it came to COVID and opening up, but I, I don't think it's quite to that extent. Um, I think once again, he has a good eye for which way the winds are blowing. And then when it became politically advantageous, he decided it was time to open up Florida. And you can even see this with the uh, certain treatments where now he's getting a board together and starting to say, we're going to hold these men, you know, manufacturers accountable for what's going on. Well, now there's a, a large appetite in alt media for this kind of stuff where you can blame everything on this specific treatment. And I'm sure you can infer what I'm talking about. Um, th- there's a lot of appetite for it now. And people think I'm nuts when I point this out, but it's true that now you have both sides of the spectrum where there's people who are very pro treatment and very people who, or people who are very, very anti. But once again, there's enough people in the base that you can you know get basic political or basically political capital by going against certain things and i think desantis has his finger on the pulse in these regards and trump unfortunately throughout 2020 i think really kind of lost this specific thing now once again he's still trump and people have an undying allegiance to him at least the people (laughs) like i work with every day i mean i'm a freaking mechanic right these people will live and die by trump but um right when it came to 2020 and how that was handled, um, it, it was very kind of like fumbling the ball, trying to figure it out as you go and not saying that it, you know, anybody else would have did necessarily anything better, but um, 
just now going forward, you can kind of see that he's promoted the treatment a lot more than DeSantis. And I think that's unfavorable to a lot of people. So once again, I know I gave you a lot to go off of, but just uh, kind of curious your thoughts there as well. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good valid you know, point to point out too. Mm-hmm. So as far as that specific treatment, the reality is this, it doesn't matter what you or I think about personally, the majority of the United States is pro that treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my whole pushback against, you know, when people talk about that, I do agree with you. DeSantis has, because he's in, he's in office and, you know, because of his comms team and I don't have like a scoop on like the comms team. I'm just saying like, I'm just, I'm just thinking like, oh, hey, it it must be his comms team because they're the ones that are paid or they, it's their job to know like the pulse of what's going on with the cycle and like the base and all that. Um, they are right in the sense of like, you know, why DeSantis is doing this panel because there is an appetite within the base that is more anti that treatment. So I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I don't appreciate and what I always would push back on people is this. Um, DeSantis is not anti that treatment. No. Um, there was, not. there's, there, I mean, he, I would, I would also, I would agree that he's definitely like, he is more in touch with the part of the base that is anti that treatment. But to say that, like, he's anti that treatment, I think that's not objectively true. And mm-hmm. I, I don't appreciate when people lie about that. Um, he's pro freedom of that treatment. So let's get that part right. Yeah. I will agree with you. It does seem like Trump is more of that pro treatment. And it is, you know, on record that he is, that he got that treatment. But I would also venture to say, like, what kind of elected official would run on anti that treatment? There hasn't been one, and would there be one? And if they would, would they actually win? Not that's not to say people aren't allowed to have their opinions on that treatment, but I'm just saying, like, um, when DeSantis runs his campaign, it's I hate to break it to you, it's not going to be anti this treatment. Mm-hmm. It's gonna it, it will never be that way. And I guess it also brings up the point, what is the point in being, like, anti-treatment if there's not much that can be done? But, um, you know, it's another thing to, like, point out, too, and why I think, you know, I don't appreciate the messaging as far as, you know, different things for Florida. I'll say this, objectively true, Florida, you know, handled that treatment and COVID a lot better than most of the country. Mm-hmm. But... There were also a lot of states that did very well, and I think a lot of governors had more better and quicker instincts, you know, than Florida that people don't want to point out. More rather states, actually. Mm-hmm. Like um, Christine, no, Governor Christine Nome for South Dakota. Yeah. I mean, there's some things people like about her, don't like her. I mean, I, I would argue his her state legislature is a lot more conservative in who she is because, you know, I've heard stories about how originally when that legislation came to close down to not close down the state she wanted to close down the state but then i guess the legislature like overrid overrode her or something i'm not gonna pretend mm. i know all the nuances of the policy sure. but that's what i heard but at the end of the day her state never shut down but florida was for a while now mind you am i gonna bash governor DeSantis for that no because you know i think most people didn't know what they're doing mm-hmm. but to say that florida was like the beacon of hope that's like total sensationalism let's stop yeah. lying yeah, no, no, I, I agree. And uh, Brian Kemp was, I think, one of the uh, first governors to open up. So um, in to Trump's detriment, he did criticize Kemp for opening up too early. And, you know, I can kind of give a little bit because it was early on. 
But um, I think it was pretty easy to see the data in most other countries and even like by our own country that like county by county, if you'd look like mask mandates and um, social distancing measures and lockdowns, pretty much county by county, no matter what any governor did, um, it, it was it pretty much played out the same. Like in, over in Sweden, it was like, OK, well, they had a huge spike at first and they lost a lot of people initially but then after that things pretty much leveled off and then either they were pretty much right through it but you know despite um the u.s response was pretty much just you know all over the place and you know different states were doing different things um you know you and i were probably in a very very similar situation i'm, I'm guessing that california is probably worse than pennsylvania but um i i always tell the story of my wife and i being at fog out of chow well she was my girlfriend back then and um, I have a picture on my phone of one of the little cards that you turn green so they bring you more food. And then I was getting a text saying that, uh, you know, it's a state of emergency in Pittsburgh. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I keep throwing a lot at you. But, um, yeah, there there were um, – I think there's a lot of opportunism kind of being played out right now. And that would be interesting to see a national campaign built on anti-treatment. But I don't think that's really going to sail because I think that's – very very divisive and it's kind of like even with um abortion where a lot of people are very very divided on that too and trump's even you know a little bit more pro i don't want to say pro-choice but he's very careful with that and he didn't fully want to take credit for the repealing roe v wade because he knows that's a stake in the heart of a lot of people like some people will not like that's their key issue right and one last thing before we transition to that topic, before I sure. forget that I wanted to plant the seed on in regards to DeSantis and Trump, and then we can kind of shift to the abortion topic. Sure. Um, the one thing that DeSantis has over Trump right now that he's obviously harpooning on, but the thing that people, if they want to be, because the right, they pride themselves on being objective, right? Facts over feelings. They disregard this part, though. What happened after 2020? This Trump was no longer president. He was a private citizen. DeSantis was in office. Now, there's a difference between, you know, you being a private citizen, even if you are Trump, versus someone that's in office that actually has the area of sub-opportunity to actually make a difference in legislation. Mm -hmm. And so when people are like, oh, DeSantis was better at Trump than COVID, well, he better be better on Trump than COVID because he was in office. Mm -hmm. And so I don't appreciate, you know, the attacks on that because it's, you're comparing apples to oranges. You have someone that couldn't do anything as a private citizen, even if you are Trump. And when I say even if you are Trump, he, you know, is a, he's the leader of the party, if, you know, whatever you want to make of that, versus someone that is in office who is in a red state with a, where the Republicans have a veto-proof veto majority, mm -hmm. um, meaning they don't need any Democrat to do anything. They could do whatever they want. Um, yeah, I would hope DeSantis is better on handling COVID than Trump. And it's... You know, there's the post-COVID era, too, in the elected officials, where it was the springboard for people to be COVID celebrities, mm -hmm. to see how people could fight back against that pandemic response, um, you know, in regards to, you know, how they open up or do whatever they want for the treatments. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put that out there before I forget. Um, now, for the abortion topic, I'll say this. I was completely wrong about my predictions and how I thought the 2022 uh, midterms would go down. I think a lot was, of people were, myself included. <laughs> yeah. Like, and abortion was one of those things that I was wrong about. I, because I kind of had the mindset of like, you know, 
you and I were both politically minded, or at least follow news a little bit more than the average person. You and I both know that when it comes to the news and whatnot, things that happened like a week ago are so old. And I thought like because of the overturning Roe versus Wade, I was like, well, this happened like in the spring. The midterms are in the fall. I think people are going to forget. I was one of those like people that was like, well, the economy sucks. I think that, you know, when people are struggling to put food on the table, I think that's the thing that drives people. Now, polls would show that it is a driving factor, but is it the most important factor? And more importantly, did that make Democrats sit and not vote? Absolutely not. So I was wrong about that. I definitely underestimated the abortion and how that would impact people on how they voted. I definitely underestimated like how it, how like it really drove people to the polls. Um, I definitely underestimated like how the younger generation how that impacted that. Um, so, and I do think you know it is interesting to note because objectively true, Trump, you know, appointed different Supreme court judges justices that you know helped overturn that mm -hmm. but it brings up you know one of those you bring up a good point of topic because i don't remember the exact wording in the sense because it was a while ago yeah. but i know that he posted something on true social about how you know abortion like helped tank republicans and all that and you know a lot of people are like how dare he and like all that stuff i'm like well yeah it's, it's true like mm -hmm. like now mind you i am pro-life i am anti-abortion so i'm not you know one of this i'm glad a roe versus way got overturned i never thought that would be something that would happen in my lifetime so to see that happen was great um however and i'll be honest i'm not one of those people that believe in exceptions personally like because i and actually that's one of the things that i one of those big things that i changed about i used to be pretty ignorant about abortion i wasn't like you know pro-abortion but i definitely I was one of those people that was like more libertarian minded in the sense of like, oh, like, you know, I don't think abortion is birth control, but, you know, I guess by traditional standards, I guess you could say I was more pro-choice. Sure. So this is one of the big things that I definitely changed my mind about because I learned about the facts and the science and like the personal aspects of it, got all of my objections debunked and all that. Um, so that's one of the things that I changed my mind the most about. But, um, you know... That being said, you know, obviously it was something that that inspired the Democrats to actually vote it and tune in, even if they weren't. However, that's not to say that, we're, you know, I do think it's on the fault of the Republicans on how they handled it. Like this obviously was a win for the right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, like I get that, like the right doesn't control the media. But my goodness, if you're a candidate, if you are on the team, you could have controlled the messaging. When people, when the Democrats are like, oh, they believe in this and that, and they're going to take away this and that on the right, you could have been like, hey, like, you know, yes, I'm, I believe in this, however, and, you know, talk about the nuances or whatever. Like, I think, you know, whatever happened with Roe versus Wade, I don't regret it. And the right, they shouldn't have regretted it. But the way they could have handled it was really just taking advantage of the narrative and the messaging and i think all the excuses and like the mental gymnastics about all that is just that's the gaslighting in my opinion yeah so um much like you i am pro-life as well um 
And I agree that I didn't think that was going to be a driving thing. Like, I didn't think that was going to get people out of the house to vote because, like you said, people have a short memory. So I'm like, okay, well, that was forever ago. People aren't really worried about it. Um, It it seemed like a symptom of a bigger disease where the blue areas got more blue and then the red areas got more red. So um, obviously, I thought Oz was going to win and I thought um, uh, Mastriano was going to be the governor because – I live in a smaller town and I I could go walk my dogs five minutes up the road and see Trump signs absolutely everywhere or signs for Mastriano. And there were some for Shapiro, but not a lot. So I figured this is like in the bag, like people are blaming Biden for absolutely everything and things are pretty rough right now. So, um, to me, it seemed like a no-brainer, but um, you know, to my utter amazement, it wasn't necessarily right in the bag for Republicans. And I do think Rivers Wade kind of was a, uh, you know, kind of the thing that got a lot of people motivated. Um, I, I talk about this a lot, and I am kind of curious your thoughts. Is that um, I think the reason why the abortion issue has to be such a contentious topic. And why it has to be so like at the forefront and such a like dividing issues because um, the political left really likes it that way because women are the largest voting bloc in the United States, right? So if you can polarize women enough to make them think that your bodily autonomy is on the ballot, then that's very motivating to get people out to vote. Um, And in my mind, it's the way I come to my conclusion of being pro-life is that um, you are responsible for the consequence of your actions. So therefore, if you choose to have sex with somebody, then you there isn't a single person that's doing that that doesn't understand what that is and what could happen. So therefore, you are responsible for that, regardless if you're drunk, um, anything like that. Now, I think where we differ is probably on exceptions, and my exception will only be when it's not at the person's consent because um, – I just don't believe people should have to do that now. That's not to say that like, you know, you could something unfortunate happens and then you decide at eight months that you want to terminate that. It's that there there's a sense of urgency there because this wasn't at your consent. So um, I guess kind of my question to you would be your thoughts on abortion there and how you justify no exceptions in your mind because this is it's not like i'm comfortable with that exception deal i just think it's reasonable in my mind but that's not like a conclusion that i'm necessarily happy with do do you understand where i'm coming from all right everybody we're going to take a little break from the show real quick to tell you about the show's sponsors i am now working with the great stephen fox to bring you Fox and Sons coffee. As you can see, I got two bags right here, or for those listening, I was holding two bags. Um, it is organically roasted up in Michigan. And if you're a caffeine addict, much like myself, um, then head over to foxandsonscoffee.com to get yourself some of their fantastic coffee. They got a light roast, which I'm holding in my hand. Um, they have the electric boogaloo blend, which is fantastic as well. I just had it this morning. And if you're like me, you like dark roast coffee, which kicks you right in the freaking face first thing in the morning. Um, they have that for you as well. So head over to foxandsonscoffee.com. Use code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, to get yourself a little discount. Let them know that I sent you. And um, get yourself caffeinated, get jacked and tan, and do what you got to do. All right, guys, back to the podcast. Thanks. I understand where you're coming from, and mm-hmm. I think an important fact for people to know, there's a difference between having like your personal thoughts versus what's actually legal. So for sure. example, even in your most reddest states, where they are more aggressive as far as restrictions on 
you know, when it's quote unquote legal to terminate life. Um, even if you look at the, if you get, if you're a policy wonk, if you look at pieces of, pieces of legislation, there are, there has to be exceptions on there. Mm-hmm. So there's never going to be a day. So to, not to burst people's bubble, but in my, just in my opinion, and again, I could be wrong because again, I never thought Roe versus Wade overturning would ever happen. Mm-hmm. But in my personal mind, you know, knowing that, I don't think there's ever going to be a time in any kind of state legislature where they author laws and there can't be exceptions on there i think there's like some kind of legal thing where they have to have on there Mm. so i want to make that very clear i don't know if there's ever going to be a time in my lifetime where abortion will be outlawed forever and for all exceptions not be there because i don't i don't think legally that's possible and i haven't seen even in red states make that kind of legislation sure now the thing when i was kind of discovering the notion of like these kinds of exceptions i think what I noticed and when, you know, I watched different debates and discussions, I think regardless of, you know, the stats of like how often these exceptions should happen or do happen, it almost, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but it, it, it goes back to the heartbeat of the issue, literally and figuratively, no pun intended, which is when does life begin? And it begins at conception. And so regardless of the different kinds of circumstances, all um, exceptions, although they are, you know, very valid. And I feel for women that are in those scenarios. So I want to make that very clear. Um, It goes back to what the heartbeat of the issue it is. And it's that at the end of the day, it is a life. And even if that baby was conceived out of something that wasn't your choice, and even out of circumstances that were absolutely things that I don't wish upon any woman, at the end of the day, it is a life and it's worth loving and it's worth giving an opportunity for them to have a life and make something of them. And so that is my personal justification of it, sure. regardless of any kind of data or stats or like how rare those exceptions happen or whatnot. And they are it very goes, rare to be clear. Yeah. And that's just always been my perspective is that at the end of the day, regardless of circumstances that are rare but also completely scary and things that i don't wish upon even my worst enemies at the end of the day it is a life and it's a life that's worth living and it is and it is you know a life that deserves a chance and and an opportunity for you know uh just babies you know like it's just it's just it doesn't matter to me and that's why i and i'll say like this was always like the one thing that was very sad when you know the anti-abortion propaganda and the sense of like you know because this person has like down syndrome and whatnot like you know and just like i think that those people are just happy to be alive and like why would you want to you know wish that upon them or or you're basically even if you might not realize it or quite understand like your communication or how you're branding it you're basically what the message is that these people aren't worth living because of how they came to be conceived or what led to that conception was not ideal and tragic. And it is hard for people to understand our graphs. And, you know, we will like at the end of the day, people just need to agree, disagree. But when mm-hmm. you are someone like myself that like had to unlearn these different things or perhaps be exposed to these different kinds of ideas, it's not, it's very, it's, it's not a, it's very black and white to me. So. Okay. Yeah. And and that's completely fair. And I never um, give people shit over really either opinion. Um, I I, I do think pro-choice people are wrong, (laughs) but um, 
uh, uh, people who are more fervently pro-life than me, um, I, I can't find a, um, I, I can't bring myself to be upset at that position because I think it's a completely reasonable position to uh, have. So one thing that you focus on is um, local political action, which is really, really interesting to me. And it seems like the people who are more focused on that in particular seem to be happier than people who kind of stay almost in the abstract and focus on federal level stuff. So um, I guess kind of detail out what that's been like for you and if that's been an enjoyable experience or if you still are uh, frustrated. Um, it, It seems like whatever stress you get, you handle well. Well, thank you. I'm glad that I my highlight reels portray that. And I'll say this is just like a random tangent before I answer your question. Um, I don't think it's wrong for people to post their highlight reels. Like, I don't want to know your, I don't want to know people's like personal business. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I don't, you know, it's just, um, and also like, I don't want people to know like, you know, certain things about me on the internet. It's one thing when like I'm offline, I'm telling like my loved ones and stuff, but I think it's perfectly fine for people to post your highlight reels. Cause I don't like, I don't know if I want to know like all that stuff going on about you that is not <laughs> ideal. And also like you probably shouldn't cause the internet's forever. Um, but yeah, so I do work very hard. I work a lot of hours, um, and the one thing that I've always maintained when I decided to get involved in the process and the first thing that I did to get started was um, I got involved with different grassroots organizations. So I, you know, I first became involved in activism and then I got involved with the my local um, county party, which is San Diego. And the thing that I would recommend for people is to start there first. First and foremost, if you are someone that is more liberty-minded, right-leaning, center-right, conservative republican whatever you want to call yourself and also i would even argue like if you are a libertarian because i actually have a great friends in our local county libertarian party um i think i'm gonna give a shout to cara smith um she you know was the one that tagged me and california underground on twitter so that's how Mm -hmm. we connected yes um so i know her because you know i have good relations with the our local county libertarian party as well um you know regardless of what side of the spectrum i would argue that if you are someone that has these views and these values and you are political in a sense, even in a small bit, I think getting involved in your local county party is very, very important. For one, we can sit here and be like, oh, like I'm very open-minded. We can agree to disagree. But the reality is it feels good having people in your community and in your life that think like you, mm-hmm. like where you're not always having to debate, where you're not always having to like butt heads and like walk away and run a fakery bakery and act like you're all fine and dandy it's perfectly normal and okay to have people in your life that think the way that you do Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of like where i was at the precipice where as i shared with you earlier in my story like i went to school at ucsd and i wasn't as political at the time but i was someone that i knew where i had values that were very different from the people that i went to class with like i went and i like it, it it's lonely And especially after college, I'm sure you can understand this too. Like after college, it's a lot harder to make friends. Like you're not in class. The social opportunities are a lot harder to have because like you go, you go to work and then you come home or whatnot. So you have to put yourself out there, find hobbies and go to the gym, just different things like that. It's a lot harder to socialize after you graduate school. So that's like one thing I would recommend for people and why I found, you know, fulfillment and purpose and, you know, an opportunity to make 
friends in that sense and actually make it help make a difference is to get involved locally. So that's what I would recommend. And that's kind of like my tidbit on that. Um, and then, you know, another tidbit that I also just my general thoughts and one thing that I've always maintained and I will maintain and I've disagreed with people on it, but local politics and state politics are so much more important than the president and what's happening in D.C. And there are some people, especially in California, like in the Republican apparatus and just even activism itself, like aside from just like, you know, the pure um, ignorance, and I don't mean that like derogatorily, but yeah. it's just, you know, it's a neutral term. But aside from like the ignorance and aside from like, you know, just the lack of desire or even also too, like I think also I would even argue like in curriculums and institutions and media, like they always harpoon on like what's happening in D.C., so I don't blame like us as individuals for wanting to tune in on that because I do think the media also plays a role in making us focus on that more versus like what's happening and what like with your city council and your mayor and your state assembly and your state delegates and all that stuff. So I'm not harpooning us as individuals. I'm just saying like it's just, you know, there's a lot of hands to be had. There's a lot of people to point the finger at. So I'm not bashing anyone for doing that. But at the end of the day, let's just say if you had a town hall, like, are you more likely to have your mayor have that or your congresswoman or man? Your mayor, are you, who are you more likely to, like, run into, like, a grocery store or, and I'm not saying that happens all the time, but I'm just saying, like, you know, in general, in my personal opinion, there is something to be said when your councilwoman or man or mayor or even if you're not in that municipal, like in your county, let's just say in San Diego County, there's something to be said when you're involved in the political community and you have people who are your community stakeholders that know who you are and vice versa. Um, and also people that aren't in power. There's something to be said about that. That is not to say that I don't think Congress is not important or that I'm not bashing anyone who is in office in the Republican Party that are in Congress. I'm just laying out the facts. Like, local and state assembly, like, they need to be here a little bit more locally versus, like, in D.C., depending on when the calendar is and when they vote, they have to fly there. And so I'm all about relationships. I'm all about building community. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, Congress, they have what they need to vote on. But in my, I would argue, politically speaking, I don't think we feel the trickles as far as, like, what Democrats or Republicans pass on the federal level. I argue we feel the trickles on what happens on the governor's level, on the state legislature level, and I would even go further on the county level, on the school board level, on the city level, and, you know, on the council level as well. So, for example, if you have, like, lower taxes or no taxes or gas taxes or mileage taxes or homeless issues or CRT stuff or, you know, gender stuff on school boards, like you know, all that stuff. Those are the things that can, those are the the elections and the campaigns and the offices you should be more focused on are local and statewide. Right. So that's my rant on that. No, 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 no that's okay. Um, I think it's really, really important. And it is very easy to get swept up by national issues just because it's so front and center um, every time you turn on the TV. But um, I think the local level is a much better way 
to kind of focus your energy just because that's where you can have a lot more say and a lot more change. Cause like you said, you're going to see these individuals and um, it's not going to quite take, you know, an act of God to get anything done because you, you don't have the entire government, um, you know, breathing down your neck to get something done. So um, yeah, I, I agree completely. And I, I, it seems like people are starting to focus that way after 2020, which is really, really good. And I think it's, we're better off that way as you get more and more local, because like you said, you're going to know these people. So um, this, this hour flew by, I can't even believe it. <laughs> uh, what gives you hope going forward? That's a very deep question. It's mm-hmm. very intellectual and I like it. So if I'm being completely honest, um, on the federal level, like politically speaking, I don't know what to think. I mean, we can argue that like Republicans have majority. I would actually argue um, by like how many seats, aka it's not this great majority. Um, So, I mean, I'm glad we have it, but at the same time, I, you know, it's, it's not like it's amazing. And there's obviously, you know, a lot of parties and entities to blame and point the finger at, but it's just a fact the majority is not that big. Mm-hmm. So on that sense, you know, and my friend actually pointed this out too that I never thought about, regardless of what we think about the Build Back Better plan or whatever, what Biden does or the Democrats mm-hmm. congressional delegation, to the average voter who doesn't follow this, to them, they think that they're effective because they're you know, what do you see on the news that they're passing all these legislations and things are hunky-dory and they're productive and whatnot. I didn't realize that and that my friend was right. Like, to the average voter, like, you know, obviously we don't agree with it, like, us mm-hmm. two, but the average voter, they think like, oh, everything's hunky-dory in Congress because they're actually getting things done. The mm-hmm. Joe Biden's signing this today and all that. I'd rather they so, don't get anything done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> but, um, so on that sense, I don't, I don't want to be a doomer and gloomer and like black pill but i don't yeah. know like i don't want to say i don't have hope federally but i just i don't know like it's just mm-hmm. you know we'll see what happens in two years um but what gives me hope ultimately is um so i like to consider myself self as someone who you know thinks a lot about different things and not to venture so much you know out like into politics or like you know other people but like what gives me hope personally is one of my biggest fears in life is you know at the end of the day when I like look at my life when it's over and I look at you know what my life could have been and you know what it ended up being I worry about that gap and not to sound like all motivational but you know i i'm just that type of person that likes like self-development personal development but also like you know religiously like i believe in eternity and whatnot and and heaven and hell and all that um and you know jesus and god and all that stuff but i don't want to look at that gap and see that it's very big so like for example so what really gives me hope in the day is you know basically how I can wake up every day and instead of like living in the moment or feeling like my time is finite or whatever, um, you know, ultimately it's about for me, like figuring out how I can impact the most people and then figuring out how I can leave that legacy. And I hope for that legacy to be with, you know, marriage and, you know, having my own kids. And to me, like, that's my legacy. And so that to me gives me hope is basically like, you know, that opportunity to have that legacy and to build that 
And, you know, I hope, I hope, you know, with the hope that I can bring to people that can add, you know, to that trickle effect and they can, you know, bring hope to other people. So I know that's a very like deep thought, not political, but it's, it's personal. And um, yeah, so that's what gives me hope. Nice. Yeah. Um, Potential and eternity is what I'm hearing there. And uh, there definitely is something to that. Um, I definitely feel very, very similarly as in, um, I say it all the time, but the life that we have, or the greatest gift is the life that we're given. And the potential for things to get better is so low that whatever you can do to make your own life better um, is a noble goal and should be pursued no matter what. And that's definitely what I encourage people to do as well. So um, I I guess the next question that I have that I usually end the podcast with, um, what does liberty look like to you? That's very interesting because I actually feel like I've been gone, I've begun to like, you know, learn and unlearn, you know, different things like in politics, even as someone that, you know, has a little bit of like a stakeholder in leadership. I, you know, these are, I still am constantly like evaluating things and learning and relearning because my definition of liberty was very different, even just like a year ago, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And obviously it was very different, you know, when I started, became political in 2016. To me, I think, um, well, my definition of liberty, like, ultimately, is about the freedom to be able to choose who you want to be. Because, again, it kind of goes back to, like, you know, what gives me hope and what I hope to, how I hope to impart hope onto people and vice versa. Um, I think liberty is, you know, that, like, you kind of alluded to, like, the opportunity where you have a life. And you have the opportunity to do with that life with what you have. Um, and it's kind of like corny, but you know how in Spider-Man, like that whole like tagline of like, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. I'm kind of like paraphrasing it because it's it's kind of biblical, but also like Spider-Man, they have like a similar like quote that like, you know, Uncle Ben, like it tells tells the Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, I think that's what liberty is. It's, you know, whatever what you have, you're able to like give it freely and then also, you know, with that, that comes with a lot of responsibility. So, for instance, if you're someone that's aspiring to be, you know, virtuous, which I argue it's, you know, people are like, oh, it's very good to be a good person or it's very easy to do that, to be a decent. It's actually very, very hard. It's so like one thing that I that's never really resonated with me with like, you know, um, with, um, you know, like Christianity or Catholicism and like full disclosure, like I I'm someone that believes in Jesus, so I'm not, like, anti-Christian or anything, but I'm just saying, like, you know, objectively, one thing I've never, that's never really resonated with me with, or maybe perhaps, like, you know, people that kind of preach this message, I should say, because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the fault of the Bible or, or any of these people, but, like, the concept of being a good person, like, when people, like, gurus or different people, they talk about how, you know, be a decent person and all that stuff or I just believe this and I'm sorry I I'm answering the question but I'm kind of going off on different tangents no, here it's okay you're good but but you know how like when um like when people like for example kind of like you know one of the things I I've one of the topics that you kind of allude to in different podcasts how you know 
discipline and habits or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I am just not that type of person. And maybe I'm just like weird, but I'm just really not that type of person that thinks that you're not defined necessarily by like a great epiphany. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't think that's, I don't think that like, you know, one grand slam or one great grand act is making up for someone's lifetime of cruelty. So like, mm-hmm. if you were someone that did a bunch of crap to people, and then yeah. someday you wake up, and then you decide to like, wake up and do good, I'm sorry, but like, you did stuff before that, that like, made you like, not someone that was a great person to be around. And I don't think that's, I'm not saying you hold that against them. But my point is, you're not going to wake up and like, have like a, a miracle and epiphany. It's really about the things that you do daily that bring you up to that. And so when people are like, you know, just be a decent person, be a good person, it's very hard to be a good person. It is very hard to wake up and choose to be virtuous. It's very hard to like have values and actually live up to them because you can have like all these granuous ways on how you want to be good. You have a value system, this, this, and that. And I'm guilty of this too. Like, for example, let's just say someone's core value is family. And, but at the end of the day, like how many people like, put family at the top. Now, I argue we intend and we have good intentions to make sure family is number one. But at the same time, I mean, we work, we, we um, are humans. So sometimes we get frustrated and, you know, things like that, or because of finite time, you know, sometimes we may not spend as much time with our family as much as we do. But we say we value family and we say that's our core value. I'm not trying to like bash people need to do what they need to do. But I'm just saying yeah. like, in general, like, you know, I think I don't appreciate how people like are fake about, you know, different things about being a good person and being virtuous. Yeah. It's very hard. So to answer your question, to me, liberty is about ultimately doing good with the life that you have. And my point is, it's very hard to do that. It's a lot easier said than done. But at least with liberty, we're able to have the opportunity to do that. Sure. Um, what does health look like to you? To me, health is... It's, so I think it it's encompassing. So aside from just like physical health, I think, uh, you know, mental health and spiritual health, you know, all the different triads of health is important. So I think, for example, if you're someone that is, you know, religiously minded, I think someone that has a sound mind in regards to their values and their core beliefs in regards to your walk on what you view eternity is, I think that's important. Um, I do think it's important to stay healthy. Now, whether people want to be like, you know, be able to like you know run 5ks or whatever or like do martial arts whatever you know i think that you have to define you know like your physical and like your body goals for that um i'm i'm definitely i'm very guilty of falling off that train and this year i decided to like do that and so i'm very proud like even today like i went outside and like walked for 30 minutes and you know i i tried to like you know right now i'm trying out i'm doing the 12 3 30 thing which is what you do on the treadmill which is where you do it at 12 um inclining you run at three um three three speed and then you do that for 30 minutes huge workout like i you know burn like more than 350 calories in one that um because one of my like physical goals is like to lose like body fat so just things like that mentally wise um i do think it's important for you to you know be of good sound um, and, you know, make sure that you're someone that is composed. So I'm very glad that on Twitter, I come across as someone that has it together. 
and I like to, you know, pride myself on doing that. It's not to say I don't get stressed. And that's not to say that sometimes it can get overwhelming from time to time. But, you know, just having like some decent composure where you're someone that you have goals, you have values, you're trying very hard to live by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're someone that cares about being here physically for as long as you can. So regardless, if you don't have to want to wake up one day and be an ABC and be super fit, but at the same time, like, you should be making sure that you're eating good and whatnot. So all that being said, to me, that's health. It's, you know, being like overall, like spiritually, physically, and like mentally healthy. Nice. Well, I really like that answer as well. Um, this, like I said, this hour has absolutely flown by. Um, you, I'll definitely have to have you back on sometime because I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, Cynthia, where can everybody find you? Sure. And I'd love to come back on, Kyle. And thank you so much for, for having me. I know we talked about politics, but we also talked about a lot of great things. And you're right, this hour did flow by. So I'm happy to come back on whenever you'd like me to. Um, but, you know, people would like to follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, Cynthia Cowie. So you can search C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-K-A-U-I. And then you can also find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram. So Twitter, I, you know, share different things, but also I stick mostly to political stuff because that's where like most of my political community is. But on Instagram, I focus more on like lifestyle stuff. So I share more things of my life outside of fighting for California. And then like on, I'm still on Facebook. I know a lot of people on the right, they protest like all these alternative platforms. I'm still on Facebook. I have like a, I have a business blog page. And then I also have like a personal profile. So you can just find me on there. I have a very unique name, so I should pop up. Nice. All right. Well, um, yeah, if you don't have anything else, we'll uh, close her out. I, like I said, I really enjoyed this conversation. Cynthia. Thank you. Of course. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.